ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my purpose girls. So a few years ago, I actually went into perimenopause. I was in my 30s. Now, I did expect this because my mom told me that she was completely done with menopause when she was 43. Done. And that was part of what she said to me. You better get pregnant soon. My dad literally sat me down one day at Starbucks and said, you know, your eggs are dying. Your mother went through menopause at 43. And I knew I was starting some form of perimenopause because I was sweating at night. I mean, literally, like it's disgusting under our bed. We need like three of those plastic mattress pads like, to be able to support me and the perimenopause. And I also started to notice some differences in how my body responded to food, in how my body responded to exercise. My cycles started getting different. And it was scary because I was trying to get pregnant at the same time. And I really didn't understand, and I still don't completely understand, how a woman's body is different and in different cycles than a man's body, right? Or what am I supposed to be doing when I'm in a particular cycle of my life or throughout a menstrual cycle? What's the healthiest for me? How do I really support my body in being healthy in any way? And that is why I am so excited about my guest today on the Purpose Girl podcast. Let me introduce you to Dr. Beth Westy. Dr. Beth Westy is a doctor of chiropractic. She's an author, speaker, women's health and nutrition expert. She's the author of the best-selling book, The Female Fat Solution, the creator of the 12-week Female Fat Solution Challenge and the host of the Female Health Solution podcast. She has made it her mission to change the way that women view their health traveling the country to educate and empower women to take their health into their own hands. She uses nutrition to help women work with the natural cycle of their bodies to achieve lasting weight loss results. She also works with cycles and helping with menopause and has books about that. And I am so excited that you are here. Hello, Dr. Beth. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited. Awesome. So am I. There is so much to dive into so much to dive into. So you're a big proponent, right? I've like been binge watching all your videos and learning and, <laughs> and which is so good. So good. I'm like, where was she before? Right. So <laughs> you, you really make the point that a woman's body is different than men's bodies and we need to treat it that way. So tell us a little bit more what makes, we know what makes us different. I mean, we get our period and we write, but like, why is it so different when it comes to nutrition or why is it so different when it comes to exercise? Yeah. So the tough thing to really grasp and understand is that what we're following, what we're used to, what we're told to do is really based on male physiology because men are the only ones that, you know, get researched primarily. And if you look at the past hundred, 150 years, 
And this is true for pretty much every discipline out there relating to human body, human physiology. They use men as the standard, Hmm. which is, you know, like in my head, I'm like, why? That seems ridiculous. Over it's half maddening. The population. Yeah. <laughs> half the population is not that. Why would you not do the, oh. Yeah. It, it absolutely so makes, <laughs> yes. Get angry, girl. Get angry. Yeah. It makes no sense. I mean, half the population, if not even, I think that there are even a few more women, a little over half and women are conceiving every single human alive. And so it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And yeah. so is there a shift in this in the science or you're just like, I'm taking this on. I'm really going to start investigating the female body and what we need differently. Yeah. So this is, I feel like there has been a starting, you know, shift um, and it, it takes a really long time. So when you look at things in the health medical field, you know, that type of field, it takes. 30 to 50 years for there to be a change. So the other thing is that when in terms of doing research, people understanding the research, applying it, and then creating solutions for it, it's not like it happens, oh, I'm going to research this thing, and then next week have this thing be different. No, it's years, like decades, you know, and, and, you know, 30 years sometimes is about, sometimes it's 20, you know, for some things, but that's how long it takes for people to conduct research, you know, um, put it together, make data, and put it out there. So it, it takes a long time for things to come about. And, you know, when you're looking at like 50 years ago, how many women were in research, how many women were doctors, how many women were in charge of doing these things? So who was making those decisions? Men were making those decisions. So they studied the male body. Plus it was easier because when they, you know, in studying the female body, they'd have to change what they were doing, depending on where the woman was in her cycle, or even Oh, she's in menopause, so let's not use her, you know. Right, right. I mean, and, and our bodies are changing. You know, it's it's interesting. I used to think, well, I just have a change once every 28 days, you know, or once every 30 days, whatever the case may be for your own cycle. But our bodies are actually constantly changing, right, as, as women throughout the cycle. Yeah, they really, really are. So um, in my book, so the the way... I divided things up in the book I have is um, the first part is a lot about the history, you know, history of nutrition, history of things and how it's set up for men. Men were studied, you know, even looking at birth controls and things like that. Birth control, women take birth control. They use birth control, right? There is, there is a birth control for men, but they don't have it out on the market, right? So it's for women. It was, you know, when it was created in the seventies and everything else in the eighties, they used men that were 140 pounds and called that equivalent to a female body. <gasps> No, a hundred. Oh so I know, right? <laughs> this is the face that I get. This is me. This is why I get sweaty and like angry. I'm like, what? Yeah. When I realized these things, it wasn't even until 1993 that there was a law passed that even allowed women to be a part of pharmaceutical studies. So before then, 100% of pharmaceutical studies were done on the male body. Wow. And anything that was created specifically for a female body was done on a male that was 140 pounds. And that was considered to be equivalent of a female body. What? This is insanity. This makes sense, though, right? We can start putting the pieces together of why there is so much on the market that actually doesn't fit us. I mean, even when if you go for a mammogram, right? It's like my first mammogram. Like, what are they doing? If a woman designed this, it wouldn't be like this. I mean, 
why are you smushing me? Yeah. Any visit to your OBGYN. I'm like, no, if women design this, there'd be like lavender everywhere and like mm, oh, very calming. Totally. <laughs> the colors would be different. There'd be beautiful music playing in the background. Someone would have a candle going. No one's putting me in those stirrups. If this was designed by a woman, they would have it figured out. Yeah, you are. You nailed it. Okay. So this makes sense because it really wasn't that long ago that it was all men. Yeah. It was all men. And it was, and the, the shift started to come um, because there was a demand from it from the consumer. That's really how this started to shift and change that women were having more negative side effects than this, that, or the other. That women were, you know, having an issue or problem or whatever. Um, well, thank you then to our mothers and grandmothers who started speaking seriously. Up. Yeah. Started to really, again, still fight. When you talk about women's movement, things like that, women are still having to fight for rights to having real information about our bodies because research still isn't done on the same level. Only recently within the past five, maybe seven, eight years, they're really starting to differentiate the number one killer for women, heart disease, and how it presents differently in men and women. And that's a, a newer thing still, but something where like women are like, oh yeah, that makes sense, right? Oh, of course. Right, right. And I remember when I first heard that heart disease was the number one killer for women, I didn't know that. I would have thought it was breast cancer. I would have thought it was maybe cervical cancer, something that was specific to a woman's body. And then to hear from you, and I remember reading someone's story about what it was like for a woman to have her heart fail and it, that it does look different than in a man. And here's the other issue too, when you look at awareness of this and, and knowledge on this is, I mean, how many movies have you seen where somebody has a heart attack in a movie or TV show and it's, a, it's somebody's clutching their chest oh, and they clutch their left arm, oh, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You're, yeah, you can I've see seen that face, before. Right? <laughs> right, of course. Right? Yeah. So you're thinking that's a heart attack, right? That's a heart attack, you know, for men. Mm. For women, they'll get, um, you know, some flu-like symptoms, neck pain, upper back pain, some jaw pain. Hmm. totally different. Right. And so you're right. not thinking heart attack, which is why women don't go in for it. They're thinking, Oh, I might have the flu. What am I coming down with? Maybe I slept funny. Mm. Right. Right. A million different things. Right. So this is, so this is again, one example of how women's health in general is being underserved because we're not being researched. It's not being separated. It should be. And we should be educated on how our bodies function. And then if there's something wrong, how differently it presents because it is the number one killer for women and it's being missed. Only wow. now there are some, I know there's one out on the East Coast. Um, there's a hospital that specifically deals with women's heart disease and they really try and do a good job of educa educating um, and some of those things, right? So this is so important. I mean, thank God for you, right? Because you're now on this mission to educate all of us women about our bodies and what is different. And so, you know, thank you, Dr. Beth, we need you. <laughs> so where do we even start? I mean, you have incredible books out there. What What is the kind of fundamental for a woman to know about our bodies? Do we start with our cycles? Do we start with our hormones? I was watching your videos about progesterone, which is only a hormone I heard of once I was trying to get pregnant. So do we start with cycles? Where Where should you and I start? Oh, that's a really good question. So a lot of it is um, we only pay attention to what's wrong with our bodies, right? Mm. Um, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Right. So 
you're most of the time we're thinking and functioning, oh, we're fine, things are fine. And I focus a lot on hormones and the weight loss aspect of it because it's so frustrating for women to feel like they're actually making progress when they're told to lose weight because again, the same thing goes for this type of research for nutrition, for weight loss, for everything it's done on men. So they apply the same principles to the female body and everybody knows like, oh yeah, me and my husband went on a diet together and you know, he only followed it a little bit. And he's, he's dropping the pounds. Yeah. Yeah. He sneezes and farts and he drops five pounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's good to go. You know, I have been perfect on it and I gained two pounds. What the yeah. heck? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. This is why, because things are not set up for female physiology and then we don't understand how it works and then we get frustrated with the process and then we feel like it's our fault. I'm, I'm doing something wrong. I'm screwing this up or what's wrong with me, what's wrong with my body. And there's nothing wrong. Mm, so you're not there. doing it wrong. You're, there's nothing wrong with you. You're following a map that wasn't made for you. I love this. This is so important and so good. So let's then start with hormones. What do we need to know about female hormones and what's going on with us and that cocktail happening? Yes. So when we look at the hormonal cycle, um, and also there's, you know, we'll probably dive into this more, your your system changes throughout your lifetime too. Um, I have a whole other section in my book called the seven bodies of Eve, because it talks about different bodies that women go through in their lifetime, right? Pre-puberty, puberty, right? And then up through fertility, that's different. Recovering from a baby is different. If you're an athlete, it's different. If you're in perimenopause, that's different, you know, and then your menopause, different again, right? So what you did 10 years ago isn't the same. That That's the story I let off with, right? So I'm actually glad you started there. The seven bodies of Eve. First of all, my whole body melted with that. Like, oh, the seven bodies of Eve. This is beautiful because it really honors the different phases of being woman, right? Like when I think about divine feminine or kind of goddess language that I use, or I think about there's the maiden, right? Which is that pre-period, pre, you know, time. There's mother as an archetype. When we're in that nurturing stage, there is wise woman when we are post-menopause. And I love that you're adding these others because if you are an athlete, your body is responding differently or just after baby, your body is responding differently. So we first need to identify which stage we are in, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Figure out where your body's at and then what your goals are. Mm. where you want to go with this. So, um, you know, for me, for example, so I'm a mom, I've got three kids. Um, (laughs) I'm an athlete. I've been an athlete my whole life. So I played three sports in high school. I played volleyball in college. Um, and most recently I played, um, football. So women's full tackle football. I know. Yeah. Okay. That is so cool. I can't even, you play football, football, like what I watch on Saturdays and Sundays. Yes. I mean, we're not like as fast as the pro. You don't make any. No, no, don't do that. Don't diminish it. You play football. It's very cool. Do your kids think it's cool? Because I'm like, you are my shiro. Like that is super cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, you know, what's funny is that, and this is a side note. This is a total side note. So, you know, and you'll find, you're getting into the same, as a parent, like you always want your kids to, you know, when your kids get interested in things that you're interested in, you're like, yes this is amazing a little buddy to play with. like me and my husband we were both athletes in college like high level athletes like he was about two seconds away from making the olympic team in skiing oh, and wow. yeah and i was a you know volleyball player i got invited to play actually on two different professional teams 
and Europe and Australia and stuff. So I thought when we had babies that I was just going to pop out Olympians. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Here they go. This is a done deal. I mean, right? <laughs> they hate sports. Oh, <laughs> like it just goes to show you. Right. Like, like we go out and we're very active. We do bike riding and like, like they, they go longboarding and they, you know, we're at, we snowboard and like, we're very active things, but in terms of like an organized sport, they hate they're it. Not. And like, oh. <laughs> they're not, Which is, they love art. They love crafts. I'm like, oh, okay. You're like, what are you talking about? You're supposed to love soccer. <laughs> As a, as you said, you know, I'm about to to find this out. And like, I keep repeating to myself, you know, you to nourish and love and nurture the child that you have, not the one that you think you want. So this right? is super oh, helpful yeah. to me because I'll be coming back to you like, wait, why aren't they into positive and certain, you know, just psychology and development? <laughs> I mean, maybe they will later in life. I don't know. I just, yeah. Right now, like as they're growing, I've we've done all the things and they're they so are who they are, right? Yeah, but that's just not where their interests lie. So I'm right. like, okay, I guess okay. we're going to take more art classes. <laughs> right. I love it. I love it. I lo Watch, I'll end up with like a super athlete when I'm not into sports at all. And then be like, Beth, you want to trade for a day? Like, this will be, yeah, you know, great. Right? I'm going to start following your kid, right? Right. <laughs> right. Well, why I started like playing football and doing some of these things as an adult, as a grown, right? Because I was still, I'm still competitive. I still like to, I, I love that. And being on a, a, a women's team is, uh, there's nothing like it in terms oh, of support. And, you I know, when the camaraderie and yeah. the connection and the bonding and the sisterhood. I mean, oh, so good. For, I mean, talk about what's good for your health. Like sisterhood is good for your health. Absolutely. So where we got in this Sorry. awesome, Sorry, no, I, know, I, I, I took us there. Believe me, I love it. <laughs> so so identifying where we are in these stages is so important. Yeah. And where you want to go. And what our goals are. Now, do you see that most women have, I know you do a lot around losing weight, which I know is a huge goal for women. Sometimes I see that losing weight can be a really positive goal for women. And sometimes I see that it can be a really adverse, challenging goal that kind of they become obsessed with instead of it being about a healthy body. So how do we even set a goal that would make us feel good and would motivate us as opposed to one that just makes us feel like crap? Ooh, this is a really good question. So, you know, one of the things that is so different, especially because I've been an athlete my whole life, except for when I was, you know, having babies and stuff like that, it's a very different body that you live in. My body was made to perform. It was made to execute, not to look cute in pants. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So my mindset on a lot of things was just really, is really different because of having that background, um, which is super helpful in the way I work with women now, because a lot of women, I believe are almost traumatized from a lot of different experiences that they've had of working with the trainer. And again, all well-meaning, but just lacking the education and understanding of what really female physiology is, what to expect out of your system, how long real results take. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, so a classic example is, I just chatted with a gal last week. And, you know, her story is so similar to so many other women's is she's like, okay, I've gotten down to my ideal weight before. And of course, her ideal weight, you know, was something like when she was in high school. And I was like, listen, uh -uh, you're not gonna that's, you're, that's a body that's still growing. So that's not your that's not our ideal weight when we are 30, 40, 50, yeah. 60. Yeah. yeah. So, so, okay, let's, let's reframe that. 
you know, okay, when were you, when were you the healthiest? And women oftentimes think of a weight that they were at, or I fit into these pants or these shorts. Right. Right. And she's like, okay. I was like, okay, so what happened for you to get there? Cause she was like, yeah, I lost 40 pounds. Da, 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 da. And she described, I cut everything out. I was only eating, you know, between 1000 and 1200 calories a day. I worked out for an hour and a half to two hours a day. I worked with this trainer, da, 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 all these other things. I was super strict. And I was like, okay, so once you got to your goal weight, did you stay there? And she's like, no. I was like, well, why not? She goes, cause I, there's no way I could. I was exhausted. I felt like crap. I, I was, I started to get really fatigued, you know, like it's a thing to get there, but then you can't stay there. I was like, so that's not an uh, achievable goal to have and not right. maintainable. So, right. It's not sustainable. Yeah you're probably not going to be working out an hour and a half to two hours a day for the rest of your life. I mean, that's just, it's not sustainable. Right. Unless you love it, right? What are you, are you just working out just to fit into those pants? I mean. Yeah. Although, I mean, sometimes I'll say to a woman, listen, and I am not a health coach at all, but I have had a client before who had a pair of pants and hadn't felt sexy in her marriage in so long that she kept these pants hanging and she and I would do visualizations around going on the sexy date and having, you know, really feeling like all sensual and everything else. And it actually did motivate her to lose a few pounds, right? Or to get into the pants. But I love what you're saying. It sounds like we really need to find a, a more holistic health goal. Yes. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you can fit into the pants if you don't feel good mm. while you're there, you know? Yes. If you, good point. if you, yeah, if you feel exhausted, if you feel like if your stomach hurts, if you get gut bloat, you know, all this, it can mess up a lot of your systems. And then from that, from that depletion and that harsh, you know, journey that we just put our bodies through, it can mess up your hormones from there too. Mm. So it's a very different journey when you start working with your body, with your system, and you're able to start seeing shifts and changes in your system, but you're, but you're like, oh my God, I feel really good. So what's really interesting is that when I work with women now, it plays a lot of games with their mindset because I'm taking them down this journey and I also have to educate them. Okay. Men and women lose weight differently. So you're not going to see the scale change right away. What you're going to see is getting smaller, right? And women lose weight top down. So all of a sudden you're going to be like, Oh my God, my right. Everyone's had this where you start to go on a weight loss journey and your bra size changes gets smaller. right? <laughs> you're like, I didn't want that. I yeah. wanted my ass to get smaller. Yeah, like, what, is going <laughs> what are we doing? This was supposed to be my belly. This wasn't supposed to be right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so that's how it inches first. And it's usually top down for women. And then, and then after that, it's like, after you sh achieve some of that shrinkage, then the scale can change. And even if the scale only changes, you know, say you're like, I want to lose 20 pounds, but you only lost 10 pounds. But you're fitting into these clothes or you feel amazing. You're like, Oh my God, I did this workout and I feel incredible. And I've got all this energy now. And ah, oh, like feeling healthy and vibrant in your body. It doesn't matter what the scale yes. says, but that we're so trained and programmed. And a lot of women have gone through really harsh diets, mm -hmm. right? And your, your system is used to, I have to suffer. I have to feel like crap to get this goal. So when you feel good along the way, that's where the mindset is like, Oh my God, this is weird. This is weird. Something's off here. Yeah. Yeah. We, we aren't used to it. You know, we hear no pain, no gain. I remember that from like the eighties, right? It was like, no pain, no gain, right? It's just being pain. 
And the number thing, like, I wish we could just cut the number out of all the clothes. I wish we, I don't weigh myself personally. Like even now being pregnant, I know I'm supposed to know how much weight I'm gaining and how much. So I go to the doctor and I turn around and she's going to tell me if something's up. You know what I mean? If I need to change anything. I've just seen too many women suffer at a number instead of really enjoying health and vitality. And, you know, what you're saying is the number may not change, but you'll you'll start to notice maybe a, a structure difference in terms of muscle, or you'll notice so much more energy. You'll notice how good you feel. And that is huge. So what do we need to do differently as a woman when we have these health goals, these vitality goals, even a lose weight goal? Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's such a good question. This is um, one of the things to focus on for yourself is, okay, uh, again, where are you at? Where do you want to go? So for me, because like, I'm going to use myself as an example. I'm a mom. I've got three kids. My health goals are going to be, I want to have enough energy for my kids for whatever they want to do, but I to also, do our projects with them. To do our projects. <laughs> 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 I love it. Oh. Um, <laughs> my son collects coins. I don't, I love it. Oh. I love it. Yeah. And I'll end up with like a, a footballer. Coins are heavy. Coins are heavy. We, he, you know, he'll get boxes yeah. of coins at the bank and I got to carry them out. Oh. So I got to, you know, you, you need strong arms. Oh, he sounds adorable. <laughs> you know, I thought, again, I was going to spend my life in a gym or at a field. Right. I love it. I love that it. way. So, well, you turn, you know, your career is that. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So you want to, Sorry for the joke. You wanted to to really, you want to make sure that you are feeling vibrant and healthy yeah. for your kids. Yeah. yeah. So I'm healthy for my kids. Um, I'm not concerned about what the scale says, but I also, I have like a closet full of clothes that throughout the years I've had. So I still want to be able to fit into clothes that I like mm-hmm. because I have mm-hmm. them and I like them. Um, so I'm going to, you know, want to maintain things. But if, you know, for my system, I know if I get under a lot of stress, I will gain weight like that. Mm. It's like almost 10 pounds in a week. It feels like a lot of stress. And if I don't sleep, boom. So for what I look at for my system is how is my body and hormones reacting to stress? Cause like I will skip a period. I will, you know, all this other stuff. Um, so it's really, it's looking at it from that angle and saying, okay, how do I support my body hormonally? Um, making sure I'm getting enough for energy and maintenance, but then battle the stress that I'm coming up against. So it doesn't, so I don't have that side effect for me. Got it. So this was interesting when I was watching your videos was to see how much stress impacts our weight and like that tire around our, our bellies. Talk to me a little bit about that because you just talked about you know, losing weight, but you didn't talk about eating a salad. You talked about stress and sleep. So help us understand that. Yeah. So this, again, this is what we're programmed in. Oh, I, I'm trying to lose weight. I'm going to eat salad. I'm going to eat healthy. Right. So I mean, good, that's not bad, but if you're eating a salad, but there's no substance to it, there's no protein there. There's no healthy fat there. You're not actually giving your body any fuel. You know what I mean? What yes. are you putting in your gas tank? Actual gasoline or are you putting sugar in? You know? Interesting. Right. You have to put the gasoline in, which is proteins, fats, and carbs. Most women are so focused on, oh, I'm eating, you know, kale. 
great. What else are you eating? Right. And we actually have been programmed not to. (laughs) You know, it's not bad. It's just have carrots and hummus and chicken. (laughs) Right. And something else. We have been, we've been programmed and taught not to have fat, right? Like in the nineties, I think it was the nineties. It was like the fat free craze. Right. And I only had fat free everything in my house, right? Fat free yogurt, fat free. I was eating fat free Doritos thinking I was being healthy, right? I think we don't realize how much of our world has been run by patriarchy, by men, and that as long as a woman thought, oh, I'm fat, oh, there's something wrong with me, oh, my body is bad, then psychologically the food companies would play that for us and make fat free Doritos, which all that did was make me want to eat more Doritos because I thought I was being healthy, right? Yeah. So this is all starting to come together. It's making a ton of sense, a ton of sense, not to mention just the world making us feel like our bodies are bad anyway and wrong when we can have hips, we can have bellies. It's beautiful. It's natural. I am watching my hips grow and I know that it's for labor. It's played on me psychologically, but I understand what's happening. So you're saying we need some healthy, we need some healthy proteins, fats, carbs, which is shocking because we all hear do carb free, no fat, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah, I love it. I wish y'all could see her faces. First of oh. all, she's so animated, her face and like she uses her hands. It. Like you're gonna you're gonna love her when you start like watching her videos and stuff. It's fantastic. <laughs> and I snort sometimes when I laugh. Oh yeah, snort girl, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So this is so here's the thing in terms of women gaining weight and everything else. And you're absolutely right on the history of things. It's not designed for actual health. A lot of the time it's for pushing product. How can we push more product? They even do the thing, the shrink it and pink it. You heard this? Uh, no. So tell me more. Shrink it and pink it. Uh, oh, there's a product that women need to use and we're going to make it a little bit smaller, color it pink and make it a few more dollars, you know, cost. Oh, I have heard of the pink tax. So it's pink like the tax. pink tax. Yeah, that's another yeah. way to say but it. I yeah. like shrink it and pink it. Right. Because okay. they'll make it smaller or they'll put less in there. Or, oh, here's a protein for men. And it's a manly one. And it's in a black <laughs> jar. And there's blue on it. And it's a man's thing. Oh, this one's for women. It's in a little white one. Now there's less of it in here. And it's white with a pink label on it. It's so pretty. It's for girls. There you go. It's smaller. You're and it getting costs less. more. Your body doesn't need less. Yeah, and it costs more. Piece of crap. A hundred percent. Yes, I'm so with you. It's ridiculous. It's and that if if any of you have not heard of the pink tax, that's what it means. Is that when a product is designed just for us, there's an increase in cost, and that has been proven. Yeah, which is so infuriating. Yeah, absolutely. So they do this. With food in general, we're going to create a problem and then give you the solution for it. And women as the health directors and main consumers in a household, that's what they're gearing it towards. Mm. So so this is where it, it plays into these things. Now, again, w- female physiology, a key thing to know about your female body is that it's designed to store fat. It's designed to be fat storing, especially when it's under stress or there's a hormonal change or there's an issue. And any stressor. So if your system perceives a restriction, a Mm. depletion Mm. in calorie and nutrient. So if you're cutting out fats or you're cutting out carbs over a period of time, your system says, whoa, 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 depletion. I know what to do here. We're going to shut down our metabolism and store everything in fats. And then that affects your hormonal function. 
Oh, interesting. And so it's storing fat as as if our bodies think we're storing fat for the winter because we won't have enough to eat. Yeah. It's a protective mechanism because again, we're, our bodies are made to be able to create and grow a human. Yeah. Right. So that if makes there's so much a sense. danger, the female physiology says, okay, danger. Store it away. Store it away just in case. Mm-hmm. Makes so much sense. Then how does all that play with our hormones? And what is even the connection between hormones and weight? Like, I'm not clear on that. Yeah. So when we have a depletion of some kind, it messes up our cycle. So if you are cutting calories or if you're under a lot of stress, I mean, we've all had that under a lot of stress and you skip a period or your period's late. So your body literally holds off ovulation Mm. because of that stress. So that impacts the cycle and flow. Then when your hormones kind of start up again, sometimes there's a buildup of it. So it an abundance of it and your system has to deal with that. If it can't process them out of your body, it's protective mechanism. It'll take some of that excess hormone and store it in a fat cell. Oh, wow. So hold on to it and hold on to it for you for, for like ever. It's just, just right. Just like there. it's doing us a favor. I'm hanging on for your future fertility, for your future survival, for all of that. So interesting. And does stress take down our hormones and and hold off on ovulation because our body is thinking if I'm under stress, it's not a good time to have a baby. Yeah. Is that what's going on there? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's way harder than to get pregnant or to rely on a regular cycle or to have that energy that comes along with a regular cycle. When your cycle is regular, healthy, um, and you don't have a lot of symptoms with it, it's amazing how good you can feel every single week of the month, no matter what. But most women don't, get to feel that because we're constantly in a state of depletion or stress or being hard on our bodies and our hormones. So we might feel good half of the month and then the other half of the month. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've come to accept PMS as it's just supposed to feel bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. That is such a great point. We should put a picture frame around that. Like just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. Absolutely. So how do we work with that or against that, especially living in a world where there's so much stress at us constantly, everyone wants our attention. There's, you know, so much on the news. There's so much in terms of our work life or children's life or both. How do we work with that? Yeah. So that's where I recommend eating for your hormones and your cycle. So shifting your nutrition throughout the month to match with your cycle, to help support that system. Our hormones are impressionable. They're, they're adaptable to the environment, to stress, everything, even to other women, right? Hmm. You've lived with other women and yeah. it doesn't take very long before your cycle. Yeah, it's the coolest thing, right? We all start menstruating at the, like in the sorority house or the dorm at college, we all start menstruating at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah, that's because our systems are, you know, and you talk about the, you know, the, the divine feminine and everything, everything is connected and we're so adaptable to what we have in our environment. So with the stress and everything, I mean, you can't control all of what happens in life, right? It's just, it is what it is. There's so much. Yeah. (laughs) So it's so helpful when you're supporting your body on a hormonal level, so that no matter what comes in, your system can still work and function and it doesn't get thrown off. Mm, This is incredible. I've heard that our our bodies change every two and a half days as women. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if you're, suggesting, I know we all need to get your book, 
do we change our, our food patterns every two and a half days or is it like by the week? Because I remember when I was really trying to work on my fertility and trying to increase it naturally, I worked with a fertility nutritionist who had me do different things each week. That each week in my cycle, if it was while I was menstruating or it was the week after or the week before ovulation, I, she had me doing different exercises, different postures in yoga, different feminine exercises of sitting with a candle and different food. So is it week by week? Is that how we go? That's a great place to start is really week by week. Um, a lot of times I will break it down even into like the first 14 days and then the second 14 days. Actually, that's easier. I mean, if we have to change every week, I was doing it because I was really trying hard to have a baby, but <laughs> I think it's easier just first 14, second 14. Yeah. And for, for fertility. So I'm certified in acupuncture and Eastern medicine. And so my background in Eastern medicine is in fertility. And that's what they do in Eastern medicine is week to week to week, because it's shifting the energy in your body with that, you know, one, once every week for four weeks for that's really optimal for fertility specifically. But when you're working with, okay, I want to just have a good pattern. I want to have a good cycle. I'm not necessarily focused on fertility. It is okay. These first two weeks, these second two weeks, because that's estrogen, you know, the main hormone there and then progesterone. Right. So I broke it down into a, an easy place for people to start, right. To just say, get started. Okay. And this also follows your basal body temperature. Mm. What I, what I talk about and recommend so following the first couple of weeks, your basal body temperature is lower. And explain, I only know basal body temperature because I did a fertility process, but for those out there, they may not know and think it's the 98.6, you know, to, to, I wouldn't know otherwise. So what is basal body temperature? Basal body is your temperature right away in the morning. So you wake up, you take your temp, just don't drink water, don't go to the bathroom, don't get out of bed, wake up, take your temp, write it down. And that's your your, your basal body, your core body temperature right then. And it's like your baseline. Yeah. Baseline. Yep. And it's pretty consistent when you take it about the same time every morning and it's low in the days one through 14 and then right around ovulation. So there's, there can be a little bit of a drop and then a spike and then it's higher after that. So, you know, you ovulate because this is another thing too, when women are working on fertility, they're trying to figure out when their body actually ovulates because sometimes you can ovulate a little earlier or later and not realize it, but your basal body temperature will always tell you what's happening in your system. So taking that temp can be a good marker for what, what's going on. So lower body temperature first, you know, weeks one, weeks two, then weeks three and four, your temperature is higher. And this can be a degree different. So for example, you might have a like a 97.1, you know, around there, something like that, like lower. And then it might be 98.3 during the next one. That's normal. It's normal. You know? So it's, we don't go by what everyone always says, 98.6. The whole idea is to track what's normal for you and then to shift it. And tell us why having a healthy, quote unquote, normal cycle is important. Because some people might be saying, so what? So my cycle's off. Does that matter? Help us understand that. Yeah. So when your cycle is really irregular and it can be either shorter or longer. Now, again, that 28 days, that's, that's standard, right? That's, that's an average. Some women naturally have a shorter cycle. Some women naturally have a little bit longer, like 34 days. That's totally fine. Then you can shift what you're eating. So it's based on what is consistent for you. If you're consistently a 31 day or you're consistently a 25 day or got mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of power in different phases of your hormonal cycle. And that's Mm. where we're not educated on. We don't get any, you know, health tips on this, but the power comes in what your body's naturally doing in those different phases. So, so why do I care about it? Okay. Just so you can have the best sleep ever. So you can have the best energy ever understand your digestive system changes, you know, throughout the month and to realize, oh my gosh, I feel like when I have a salad and it's day 21, my gut just cannot break down the salad. What the crap is going, what a ha. And then you look at the food, like there's something wrong with the food. It's not, you had that salad last week and it was just fine. The problem is, is that it's just a lot of raw leafy stuff and your gut is slower. And so it's harder to break down. So all you need to do is just add, you know, add some more enzymes or help your body break it down. Game changer. And all of a sudden you're like, oh God, now I feel good. I feel good in my body every week of the month. And I know that my system is working properly. I've got the energy I want. I got the, I can shift my sleep. The other thing that's important is that these hormones also cross the blood brain barrier. Hmm. So, you know, I don't know if you've experienced pregnancy brain. Do you have that? Uh, Please, like all the time. And fortunately, my coaching clients and my students are totally, I mean, they're, they love it. It's okay. If I'm, if I say something like, oh, pregnancy brain, you know, it's just (laughs) meaning I forget something. I can forget the most basic word or forget a concept for a moment. And then, yeah. Is that what you mean by pregnancy brain? Because I got it. That's that's exactly it. So, but that's going to shift and change, right? But your pregnancy brain is the hormonal shift that's in your body right now. And it's those hormones past the blood brain barrier. So a lot of times we feel foreign in our own bodies. We feel Mm. trapped in a body that's not even ours and we can't control. Mm. And that's one of the most frustrating things to go through as a woman. So, you know, I may talk about weight loss or I may talk about, you know, all these other things, but really it comes down to how do you feel in your body and how is it functioning? Because if you, if it's functioning really well, you're going to feel good and be able to do the things that you want to do without it hindering you, you know, live the life you want to live any time of the month and not worry. Oh my gosh, I, I can't go on this vacation. I might have a period and it might be really horrible. Or I literally, the women I work with sometimes they're like, yes, I plan my vacations around my cycle because I, I don't want to be stuck in a hotel with my husband when I'm having PMS because I am a terrible person. That's not a fun way to live. No. I mean, just... <laughs> no, I don't like you're not a terrible person. You're just having some issues, you know? Right. And so you're saying if we eat according to the hormones, the first two weeks versus the second two weeks, we're going to notice a big shift in our energy. And, and it sounds like in the second two weeks, is that when we need more of the healthy fats and need more of oh, yeah. the proteins yeah. and... Yeah. Yeah. So this is also, I mean, classic for some of that old, you know, brainwashing, I want to call it of, I mean, how many magazine articles have you, I remember reading like Cosmo or all these things where they're like, Oh, if you're bloated before your period, make sure you're drinking lots of water, la la la, don't eat fatty foods, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, that's actually the opposite. I mean, there's good fats and unhealthy fats, right? Like healthy and unhealthy. Yeah. But your system, it needs more nutrient then. It needs more calorie. It needs more healthy fats. It needs some more protein also. And because at that phase, that's just, you have more blood volume. Your uterus is twice the size as it is earlier. Interesting. Yeah. So of course you're going to need more. Oh, right. Duh. Duh. Right. Yeah. But we aren't, we aren't, we're just taught, we'll just starve yourself more, have more water, have more. 
So we actually need more of the healthy fats, which, you know, you can tell us, but I think like, I'm guessing things like nuts and avocado and yeah, olive oil, you know, coconut olive oil. oil. Yeah. Yeah. All the, all the good things that women know, just add more of it at that time. And you are going to be amazed at how different you feel and no more cravings, no more exhaustion. Um, symptoms can lessen up just because you're fueling your body again with gasoline, the right type of gasoline that you need. And hydration is also a big thing too. Your hydration actually changes throughout the month. So that drinking water all the time to not feel bloated when your body is higher in progesterone, you actually need more electrolytes to upload mm. the hydration into your cells. Otherwise, all you're doing is drinking a lot of water and feeling more bloated because it's not getting the hydration into your cells. We were like, oh my gosh, yes, I tried it. I feel bloated. I drink a ton of water, but I still feel bloated. What the crap? Right. Electrolytes. Boom. So interesting. Yeah. So that's so these are small adjustments that we can make that will have a huge impact on our health. Now, what about for the women who are in menopause? So I'm in perimenopause. You know, I'm in this weird time of perimenopause and pregnant at the same time. <laughs> because thank you, goddess, for, you know, medicine, modern medicine that allowed me to have IVF. But I did get pregnant at 41 and 43 naturally you know, while I was in perimenopause already. And so what about the women listening to this and they're in perimenopause or they're in menopause already, so they don't have the same cycles. Does it shift then? Do we need to do something different at that point? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's this is a time, especially in perimenopause, it can be really vital. Again, if you're not pregnant. <laughs> um. <laughs> I understand I'm more following the pregnancy than I am the perimenopause. But in a few months, I'll be back on the perimenopause. So. Yeah, right. So this is where it's really helpful just to start following a pattern for your hormones to go off of because that fluctuation that's going to start to happen with estrogen and progesterone dropping in your system needs a pattern to follow. So you don't have a lot of issues, symptoms, things like that. A lot of women will say, oh my gosh, I'm in perimenopause. I, my periods become irregular. And then when I do have my period, it is awful, mm. like super awful. What can I do? support the hormones throughout the month, you know, and get your system a regular pattern to go off of. So it becomes much easier. Now, as your system also changes, you know, perimenopause and into menopause, you get then a whole new body. It's a mm. whole different body to live in. Mm. And that body needs different things nutritionally. Digestive wise, your system is slower. So you're going to need to constantly help your gut. You need more protein to do the same job that protein was doing before. So if you were getting like 100 grams of protein a day before, now you're going to need like 120. Wow. Just to maintain. Just to maintain. So even though you're not ovulating, you're not going through that whole reproductive cycle, you actually need more. Yes. Which is exactly opposite from what women are told when they're in perimenopause and they start to gain right? They're like, I don't understand. I'm working out. I'm eating healthy. I didn't change anything. Right. I'm doing all the right things. What the heck happened? Your hormones happened and you get in a new body, a transition body. And then you end up in this new body, the menopause body. And that body nutritionally needs different things. If you're, if you're, um, if you're not getting car carbs are important. Protein is super, super important. So so many women, I can't even tell you how many women I get messages from that are like, yeah, I went into menopause or perimenopause and all my trainer said to do was to work out for do 30 minutes more cardio and cut out 
you know, another 500 calories. Simple. Simple equation. <laughs> Simple. The mill. Like, right. That will work the, for a dude. That will work right. like that for a dude, you know. Right. And the rest of us, where are we getting all that extra time to exercise? And and not to mention, and, and the cardio, I watched one of your videos on this, so I know it's not helpful. That's not how our bodies operate. No. No, because again, with that hormonal shift, your system is going to see that as another stressor. Mm. And then the stress is going to keep the tire there or going to keep the the fat stored uh, because your body thinks it's doing that. Beautiful. And I know, you know, one of your books is specifically about menopause, right? And another is the is about fat. So give us those titles real quick. And we'll have, of course, them in the show notes. Yes. Yeah. So the female fat solution, that one is the one that encompasses all of it, you know, the history, the seven bodies, and I really dive into eating for estrogen, eating for progesterone, and another tips on exercise and stuff like that. Um, again, for a healthy functioning body. And then because I had so many women reach out to me about menopause specifically, and I do have a whole section on menopause right in there, I, I just extended it into a whole book. I was like, they're they're wanting this, they're wanting more info, like to really deep dive into menopause. I hear from a lot of women just not feeling pretty anymore, beautiful, sexy, not feeling like themselves anymore once they get into menopause. And screw that. We are entitled to feel beautiful and sexy and to feel alive and vibrant. And I love that you're giving us ways. And I know you have you have the books and you have also programs. You have a whole 12-week program around the female fat solution, right? Yeah. So, and I also have a female menopause solution program. Mm. Beautiful. Is that 12 weeks as well for someone to? Yes. Because, and they're 12 weeks because 12 weeks is the minimum amount of time it takes for female hormones to really fully shift in the body. Ah. So, which is so funny. And I know you're going to appreciate this because I know you work with a lot of women and everything else. And I've had, right. I've had different, like a couple of, not a lot, but a few different business coaches for working online. Right. Mm-hmm. And every one that I've had, that's been a female, you know, phenomenal, very supportive. They understand what I do on a deep level and they help, you know, set up systems and structure and stuff for that. When I, whenever I work with a male coach, they're like, Oh, well, if you want to have more people in your programs, just make your program shorter and then have more people in it and run it more often. And I was like, I, I can't make it shorter. Right. <laughs> then you're really not under the <laughs> You only run your program four times a year. Well, what if you ran it six times a year? What if you ran your, your program eight times a year? That would double the debt. I was like, listen, man, I can do basic math. I know that <laughs> like that's not the thing I'm talking no. about. I'm not, not gonna change my program based on those types of numbers because that's actually not what what's helpful for the female body. So these programs that I built for women that have a cycle and women that are in perimenopause and menopause are specific for female physiology only. Mm. There's And there's really nothing else out there like it. There's so many different tactics and, you know, things that are layered on top of each other, eating for your hormones, getting enough protein, eating healthy and clean, cutting out a lot of artificial stuff. Oh, you know, I go through protein pacing, carb cycling, some intermittent fasting that is specifically for women. Mm. Um, and I mean, there's there's so much into it that it, it can't be done properly for your hormones in less time. I just... <laughs> Thank you very much, dude. <laughs> yeah, you and I, you know, we could have like three more podcast conversations either on your podcast or mine about how the 
male dominated industries have screwed us up in terms of our bodies, in terms of our confidence, in terms of our not taking care of ourselves or believing that we're less than or too much or anything like that. And, and, and it's not male bashing, it's realizing everything that's in our structure right now. I love how you framed it at the beginning, Dr. Beth, everything in our structure right now was really created by industry that was created by men 50 years ago. And that's why we need you, Dr. Beth, so much. And I so appreciate what you are doing because your work is going to change things for women. It's going to help us start really working with our own bodies. Yeah. Everyone, you want to check out Dr. Beth Westy. Her website is drbethwesty.com. You can find her website, her social media links, uh, the links to her programs, all in the show notes. Dr. Beth, one thing I love to do with all my guests is something that I call a purpose power play round. And it's when I'm just going to ask you a few random questions and whatever's the first thing that comes to your mind is the correct answer. Are you down? I really want to just shout out purple hippo or something. (laughs) Just yell, but yell out purple hippo whenever you can. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. You are doing so much for women. So who inspires you to be better? Ooh, Ooh, this is a really, really, you know, what? this is, this might sound really cheesy and corny, but in the industry that I'm in, sorry, this is not a quick answer. I, you know, as a chiropractor, a very male dominated field, you know, and it has been for since it's been around, right. Um, any type of health field. So and athletics and things too, you know, and I'm, I'm a tall girl, right. So I'm six, two. Mm. So I, Anytime I would walk into a gym and it would be mixed gender, right? I guys would come, oh, I want to play you in one on one. I'd be like, why? So you can lose and cry in the corner, like, <laughs> oh. you know. So there's always this thing of feeling like the underdog, and so it's so hard to find, you know, in the especially with the work I do now with women, and then being in an online space. Mm. I love watching and following other powerful women but it's so much more enjoyable for me to connect with women. So I remember when I got to interview you and I got off the podcast, I was like, that was just amazing. Like I Mm. feel so good connecting. And so I, that's what I get inspired by. So I got inspired by you. I get inspired by connecting with women that have real stories are doing real work. And it's, you know what I mean? Oh, do I ever? It's like half the fun for me of doing a podcast is I get to talk to women like you. Like I, Listen, I love you listeners, but I get to bring on the best women in the world. I get to learn so much. And I really believe that it is us women who are living our purpose, right? Which includes every single one of you listeners, right? We are each here at this time on earth right now to share our gifts and share our passion with the world. And so I hear you that it is women who are sharing that, right? Who are living that. I love it. Beautiful. Putting themselves out there to do the thing. Like, like Brene Brown, right? Everybody knows Brene Brown. And there's yes. some things about her story that I find fascinating in terms of mm. how she gone through, you know, putting her content and her message out there and then having, you know, getting, because uh, people sometimes are, yeah, and, and still <laughs> pursuing it. And still, you know, like that's inspiring. So mm, I love like that. that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Second question. What's something that everyone should do at least once in their lives? Oh, um, I, I want to say something that like scares them, but they do it anyway, you know, mm. something in a healthy like way, play right? football, 
Like we should be playing, like playing football. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's fair. Because before my very first game, I I didn't grow up playing football. I grew up, you know, in in a gym. And before my first football game, I was not prepared for this, but I was getting dressed, like getting all the pads on, getting everything on. And I started to freak out. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do this. I am, you know, in my late thirties, I am going to step on a field where people are going to try and you know, battle Pummel each other. You? Pummel me. What am I like? Why am I doing? I like. I had this moment where I was like, "What the ever-loving f am I doing right now with my life?" Yeah. And I was like, I, there was a, a teammate. This is why, again, having women around you, you know, having like a team, a squad, whatever you want to call it, around. There was a teammate next to me, and I just, I must have had a look on my face because she was like, "What? Are you okay?" And I was like, I, "I'm kind of freaking out right now," and I wasn't expecting that I was going to freak out, but I don't know what's happening. And I was like. I might just leave. I might just, <laughs> we're in the locker room and she's like, what do you mean leave? I was like, I might just take off. I don't know. I don't know what I can handle it. And she was like, listen, you're going to be fine. We're all going to be out there. We're all here for each other. Suit up. Let's go. I was like, they're yeah, okay. Let's Woo. do this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I love her. And I, I just love that message. Do the thing that, that scares you, right? That's what real courage is, is even if, even if you are afraid, especially when you're afraid, you do it. Yeah, you do it. Yeah, I survived. I survived the game, and it's been one of the best experiences ever to play football. Now, again, this season this year is not happening. I don't think because the right coronavirus. Yeah, but yeah. still, amazing experience and the most amazing female athlete. Wow, yeah. so cool, so cool. Okay, last question for you, Doctor Beth. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, what is one thing that you think every woman needs to know? about their hormones in their body. <laughs> yeah. Female physiology. Yeah. Ah, ah. I just, we get this, I get so, fr- like, again, I'm going to start sweating again. I just You get can't. so passionate. I, I love do. your passion. I do. It makes me like, so we get this one class in like fifth grade, you know, <laughs> where they, right? <laughs> yes. They split up the boys and the girls, right? Here's your stuff. Here's your stuff, right? And then that's it. And then the only other time you really get educated on what's happening is if maybe you have an older sister or your friend has an older sister, but their information, you know, it's not like they were, you know, magically educated different. No, <laughs> we're all out there just, you know, like the blind leading the blind. We have no idea what's happening. Right. 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 And and it's, it's so ridiculous. So it's, so my middle, she's in sixth grade this year. So she had her class in fifth grade last year. And when she came home from it, I was like, oh, kiddo, because this, you know, the work that I do, what I, you know, they're, my kids are present absorbing, right? They're little sponges. Thank goodness. Yeah. And so she came home and I was like, how was your class today at school where you talked about, you know, puberty and, you know, and getting your period and stuff. And she was like, it was, it was kind of dumb. I was like, what do you Mm. mean it was kind of dumb? She was like, I didn't really learn anything except for like, you might need to take a bath or something if you're getting cramps. She's like, that's the only thing new. I was like, okay. <laughs> well, thank God they have you. Thank <laughs> God they have you. Dr. Beth Westy, you are amazing. Thank you for doing everything that you are doing. Thank you for being on the Purpose Girl podcast. I so appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is, I love doing this. I love connecting with you. This has just been a wonderful experience. And it's just a relationship where we have a lot to collaborate on. So I love yeah. it. And all of you out there, thank you for listening to this episode of the Purpose Girl podcast. We hope you loved it. If you did, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you leave your review and just leave a 60-second five-star review. It takes no time for you to leave that. 
But that is what is ensuring that women all over the world are finding the Purpose Girl podcast and that we are creating the Purpose Girl community of just women rising up in their purpose, living their healthiest, best lives. If you haven't yet joined the Purpose Girls Facebook group, what are you waiting for? We do awesome journal prompts and dance parties all the time. And all of that is for us to come together in sisterhood and rise up together. Of course, you can find me on Instagram at Karen Rockind or on my newsletter. If you're not getting it, you want to make sure that you are, because that's where you find out about workshops I'm doing, any sort of programs I'm doing, as well as every single week I send out free tips and tools about how to live your purpose and happiest life. Most important thing you can do, of course, is to share this episode with every woman who needs it. That is how we change the world one woman at a time. With that, my love, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now.